Shabbat Shalom. You know, every week we have some diehards who are here on time, and then we get like 40% of our audience come in right after announcements during worship. And so I appreciate that good hearty Shabbat Shalom from you guys this morning. Um, give you a couple of announcements real quick before we get into the service. Uh, this afternoon, in the cold, wet day, for those of you who are diehard and giving back, uh, the Eden Clinic has a color run slash walk fundraiser. Um, for those of you who don't know about the Eden Clinic, the, we partnered with the Eden Clinic a couple of different times to help them. They are a pregnancy help center, and uh, they are down near the OU campus, and they do a really, really great work. And so We've partnered with them a couple of times before, but this afternoon uh, at 1230, uh, there is a color run slash walk that is to help raise funds for the Eden Clinic. And so if you're a diehard runner, walker, I'm a diehard non-runner, non-walker, I'm a diehard watcher. Uh, so is there a role for me as a diehard watcher, Stephen? Uh, okay, we do need clappers. We need moral support. So uh, today at 1230 downtown for the Eden Clinic. Uh, the next ladies prayer gathering is going to be October 28th at the Frickers home. Uh, November 11th is going to be the men's prayer breakfast at Monte Judas home. Uh, a couple of exciting things coming up. I want to make sure you guys know that next week we will have no Oneg. Um, next week is the launch of HFFDFW, uh, which is our satellite group in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area with Pastor Ed Harris. And so uh, as soon as we're done with service next week, uh, there's a whole bunch of people who are heading down to Dallas. And so as well as our leadership team. You guys are absolutely welcome to come and be a part of that as well. They start at 3 o'clock on the north side of Dallas. Information is in here. Uh, we're super excited about that. Next Sunday, for all of you who are going to drive to Dallas and drive back, there's a ladies gathering at 1130. Contact Melissa Musson. Um, she's out by the Oneg table. Uh, that did not make it into the bulletin. So all the ladies who want to hang out next, uh, next Sunday while the guys are watching football or watching the kids or working or whatever is going on, the ladies are going to get together and gather for that. I hear those times are a lot of fun. I've never been invited to one, but it might be because I'm not a lady. So um, that would just be super awkward for us all. Uh, marriage seminar coming up on the first Shabbat in November. Ed and Hava. Ed and Hava are the pastors of HFFDFW. They're going to be here to do a marriage seminar. This is a two-part seminar. Part one will be here in the morning. Part two will be at Bed on Me up in Oklahoma City in the afternoon. We will have child care provided. We're going to turn a movie on for the kids during that. So if you have little ones and you want to come, they'll be meeting in the kids' class area there. And we also have children's class uh, today as well. So uh, 4 to 12 are welcome. We'll dismiss them after we do the blessing over the children. Um, Hanukkah is right around the corner. While Hanukkah is not a commanded feast, it is a festival uh, that Yeshua was walking in the temple during. We won't get into the semantics of whether he was keeping the feast or he was just whatever. But Hanukkah, we're, we're going to be hosting a Hanukkah gathering here with Lion and Lamb Ministries. This is a, an event that you must register for. So this is even going to be on our normal. We won't have a normal Sabbath service that Saturday because we will have the Hanukkah conference. We've got Rico Cortez, Ryan White, Monty Judah. Um, I'm missing people. Eddie Chumney. Um, 
All kinds of people are going to be here to speak and we'll do worship. We're going to have a full Torah service that Shabbat. So that Saturday morning, we'll actually have the Torah scroll. We'll actually go through the opening of the scroll. We'll do the processional. We'll do a full-fledged Torah service during our Hanukkah event. And so that's HanukkahEvent.com to register, um, or you can see Daniel or Ephraim or one of the other leaders, and they can get you more information on that as well. But we won't be having a regular service. That's Shabbat. We'll be hoping to host the Hanukkah event. So um, the marriage group uh, tonight hosted by the uh, Fosters meets at 6.30 at the Wigginton's home. That was uh, accidentally left out of the bulletin. So if you're a part of that, plan on uh, getting together tonight at 6.30. The Bible study at the Frickers has started back up on Thursday nights, and our youth gatherings are happening on Thursdays at 6.30. And a note to that, a lot of you know uh, that the Ophels went through a uh, 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 kind of a traumatic experience um, when their house had uh, burnt down a little bit ago. Their house has now been rebuilt, a beautiful house that's been rebuilt by a wonderful builder, and they're going to be starting to move in this weekend, this weekend, correct? And so uh, the Lord truly does take things that, uh, that seem like they're, they're uh, not, not a blessing, and he turns them into a blessing. So we're very excited to see that. But with that, that means that they're going to be moving out of Norman back to their normal property. And so the youth are going to start gathering here on Thursday night at 6.30. And so um, just for all the youth who do that, 6.30 Thursday night, we'll be meeting here. Uh, Ophels will spearhead that. Um, sooner or later, there's going to be some popcorn because I hear like there's like Pounds and pounds and pounds of popcorn and stuff left over from Sukkot. So sooner or later, there's going to be some popcorn. Uh, so like Terrell Owen said, let's get our popcorn ready for the youth gatherings. Right, Ian? Can I get it? Yeah. All right. I got, a, I got a fist pump from Ian. So, well, let's go ahead. Let's stand up. Let's greet one another. Say Shabbat Shalom. We're going to go ahead and start our service with worship and teaching. So and greet somebody and say Shabbat Shalom. Oh, you got to find a little bit of humor in that. I find a little bit of humor in that, so it's a God thing, so. things 
just keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. who you are you make a way when we don't see a way you work miracles even when we try to say that you aren't alive you are always moving even when we don't give you the credit for the move you are always working on behalf of your people Israel you are always good even when we do not deserve it Father, may we give you back the praise for all the marvelous things that you do. You are a miracle worker. And just because we don't see it doesn't mean you're not working. You are always working to take things and make them good for those who trust and believe in you. Father, we praise you. 
in this place on this Sabbath morning. And we come to you as broken vessels asking for your grace and mercy upon us. For you are good.
of our hearts be on you. You are the one true Elohim of Israel. Lord, we just give you all the honor and the glory in this place. For it's in the name of Yeshua we humbly come before you on this Sabbath day. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this congregation. We thank you, Lord, for the rain. We thank you, Lord, for every blessing and every provision that you give to us here in this place, in this congregation. Father, I thank you for each person here. Father, we know that it was not by our own power, Lord, but by your power alone that we have come together here in this place, that we have joined together as a holy convocation We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings for every person here. Father, I lift up all of those who are in need in our congregation this week. Those that are in need of healing, Father, whether it be an illness, whether it be something that they've been, they caught at Sukkot, Father, and are just in need of healing, Lord. Father, I pray that you would remove any infection that is not of you, Lord, that you would heal it in Yeshua's name. That you would heal us not only physically, Lord, but spiritually as well, Father. Father, we ask and we invite you here into this place, into this congregation, Lord. And Father, you will not be in any, clean, any unclean place. So Father, I pray that you would cast out any spirits that are not of you, Father, in Yeshua's name, Father, and that you and you alone dwell in this place with us. I thank you, Lord, for each person here, Father. I pray that you pour out a special blessing upon them on this Sabbath day. 
I thank you, Lord, seeing all the wonderful faces, Lord, those that we haven't seen in a long time. Father, just walk through the door, and what a blessing it is, Lord, to see old friends. So we love you, we bless you, and thank you here on this Sabbath day for every provision, for everything that you do for us here in this place. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, let's bring up the children. Let's pour out a blessing upon them this week. We have a winner. Let's bless the kids. We have a kids' class this week, so as soon as the blessing is over, children 4 through 12 will be dismissed to their classes. symbol of Adonai's blessing. He said he'll bring us rain in the season when we need it. And it'll water all the crops and be able to give us food. And you know what? All of you are also blessings, just like the rain. You're blessings to our lives. And we're so thankful for your smiling faces. So we're going to pray now, okay? Father, we thank you for your many blessings, how you turn all situations to good for those who believe in you and who call upon your name. Father, we have dedicated our lives to you, and you have heard that, and you have answered. You have blessed us with children in our midst as a reminder that as you said when you were walking among us, do not hold back the children from coming to me. For we should all approach the kingdom like a child. Father, we pray that these young ones here would never lose that passion, that unencumbered rushing to you. May their entire lives be filled with that type of passion of pursuing you with all that they have. May you bless the young men. May they become fruitful. May they multiply in such a way that they bring thousands into your kingdom for your name's sake and for your glory. May the young women, may they also be found faithful in everything that they do. May they be known generations from now for their faithfulness to you and how they have kept your word according to your promises. Father, we thank you for these blessings, for the blessing that children bring to our lives. And we pray that your hand would be upon them, that you would guide them and direct every step, every day, every moment of the day that they might honor you in all that they do. We thank you, our great King. And we submit these requests to you, joyfully and expectantly, that you will fulfill them. We pray this in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Sorry, I had to get my cheat notes here. Okay. I did want to say, um, this actually forgot to get put in the bulletin because I, I didn't tell anybody to put it in there.
tomorrow morning, um, I'll be going to Grace Living Center, which is the retirement community at the end of Main Street, the west side of Norman, and I'll be meeting at 10.30. If you guys have any more questions, please just contact me after the service. Um, but uh, so far, it's usually it's just me and a few other people will go, we'll play a few worship songs, and I'll give a short message, and they just eat it up. They love the company. These people are, you know, they're, they're really old, they need a lot of help, and they want the company. They want the attention, and they crave it so bad. So if you guys have any to give, I could sure use it tomorrow morning at 10.30 at Grace Living Center. Okay, so today, who knows the passage for today? Noah! Yeah, all right. So the most popular children's Sunday school story ever. So I, I'm sorry I didn't bring my flannel graph. Um, anyway, so I love the, I love the uh, stories that have the really obvious title, you know, because like all the other passages that have these very like, Hebraic, kind of ambiguous titles. You never know where it is. But with Noah, you're like, oh yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, I've been keeping along. I've been track. I can keep in track. So anyway, <laughs> so from that story, I was reading through it and I was praying that um, Lord would give me something that was applicable. And um, this is something I'd never thought of before. I'm sure other teachers have, but um, well, who here believes that God is 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 a God who upholds justice? He's a good judge. He's a good judge. Yes, absolutely. So, what's his heart in the fulfillment of that justice? So we know God's an unwavering judge, but from our own perspective, do we often put like our image of the fulfillment of justice upon God? I'll put it another way. So we can't deny it. Like, so when we hear of unspeakable evil, like when bad things happen to little kids or when someone cuts you off in traffic, you know, <laughs> in response to that, we often say within ourselves, you know, it's, it goes something like, you know, vengeance is the Lord's and I hope he enjoys it as much as I will. So, so <laughs> I present to you that's not the Father's heart. The Father's heart is that, I mean, is that we do, uh, he, his justice is something different. So, in uh, chapter 6, verse 7, Yodivavi said, I'm going to wipe off man whom I have created from the face of the ground, both man and beast, creeping creature and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. He didn't say, I'm so angry, I've made man, or I can't wait to finally give him what's coming to him. No, he said something like, so, anyway, so this might be a little bit speculative, but it makes so much sense to me. So at the end of uh, chapter 7, verse 21, I'll read the passage here, it says, All flesh died, the creeping creature on the earth, the birds and the cattle, the beasts, the swarming creature, and the swarm, all that swarms on the earth, all of mankind. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. So he wiped off all that stand, which were on the face of the ground, both man and beast, creeping creature, and birds of the heavens. And they were wiped off from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. And the waters were mighty on the earth, 150 days. That's the closure of chapter 7. And then chapter 8 starts with, And Elohim remembered Noah. So why would God need to remember Noah unless something else has it, had his attention previously? So I personally believe God is grieving over the deaths upon whom he was inflicting judgment. So another reason I'm under this impression is that in the verse we just read, it says, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. And this should sound really familiar because in, verse, in last week's passage, in uh, chapter 2, verse 7, it describes Adam's formation and it says, from the dust of the earth, and he uses the same phrase, he breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of lives. I believe we're seeing the weight and the value of each in this comparison. And just as God delighted in giving Adam breath in his nostrils, he was grieving over taking the breath out of way from the nostrils of his creation. So bringing this point to closure, in chapter 8, verse 20, Noah built a slaughter place to Yodhivafe and took of every clean beast and of every clean bird and offered ascending offerings on the altar. And Yodhivafe smelled a soothing fragrance, and Yodhivafe said in his heart, Never again shall I curse the ground because of man, although the inclinations of man's heart is evil from his youth. And never again shall I strike all living creatures as I have done. God does not delight in the death of the wicked, but he desires that all men come to repentance. Despite the inclinations of man, the evilness of man's heart from his youth, um, and, you know, until, until the Lord returns, his patience is groaning for his creation to repent. And should we not have the same heart? Should we not be mourning over those who are perishing? Should we not be reaching out to those who are in opposition to God and crying out for their repentance? So instead of allowing ourselves to think that they're they're getting what they deserve, saying, oh, give them what they deserve, They, they all deserve to die. No, we need to be mourning in repentance for them, mourning that they come to the Father. And we know that many are going to perish. Should we not mourn for them instead of rejoice over their destruction? So another, another small point I, I thought was just kind of really it kind of came to me just as I was finishing up. So the window had a, of the ark had a specific purpose, and it was used so that the dove could go find evidence of habitable land. It wasn't used so that Noah could gawk and rubberneck at everyone perishing from the flood. So I'm not accusing anybody, but when you're watching updates on Hurricane Michael or any natural disaster for that matter, are you anticipating hearing about the death toll? Is there that part of you that's like, how many people are going to die? So it's funny how, how our hearts have such an inclination for that. Um, and we, we look forward to terrible news. So it's, it's like, for me, it's, I'm always like, you know, well, let's, how many people are going to die? And tell me more with more details. So, I mean, unless we're really going to help these people and do something about it, why do we really want to know? So, I mean, like, I, that's, this is just something for me too. And I, I think the media, you know, they know we have that inclination, so they're going to feed that. And so they're going to preach, they're going to give us that same thing. So, I just want you to examine, I'm not saying it's wrong to keep up with news and keep up with current events, but I just want you to be careful. Examine your heart when you're hearing about the terrible things that are happening to other people. If you're really going to stop and pray about it, or maybe like, oh, maybe I should give to, you know, some money or some funds or find actually some way to help. Like, if you're watching the news just to, just to hear about bad news, you probably shouldn't be. So, anyway, that was my personal note there. Anyway, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the rain. We thank you so much that this rain does not come under the hand of judgment, Father, but it's a blessing. Father, we thank you so much that we have the promise that you're never going to destroy the earth again with water, but you're coming back with fire. Father, we, we, uh, we tremble at the thought of those things, and uh, we rejoice to know you, Father, but we know that it's going to be a terrible day, Father, when, and many people will perish. Father, we rejoice to know you. We rejoice that you're coming. We rejoice that justice is going to be coming back, Father. We rejoice that that, that is going to be upheld. But, but Father, we, can, we want to be weeping. We want to be mourning over those who are, who are suffering, who are perishing, and who don't know you, Father, who are in opposition to you. Father, give us hearts to reach out. Give us hearts to cry out for those who are perishing. Help us to have your heart, Father, in mourning over the loss of those who are, never, who are not going to be with you or be with us. We cry out to you now, Father, as to your Holy Spirit, would just fill this day. 
Father, we rejoice to have your blessing. Please be here in our presence. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I hope everybody is having a wonderful Sabbath, and I thank everybody for joining us here at HFF this week. I know many of us always have other things we might be doing, but it's a wonderful blessing just to see so many people each and every Sabbath day. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the weather has turned. It has turned from being a hot summer, and the it has now, there's a feeling of cool and briskness in the air. It is now, the, the weather has changed, the season has felt like it's changed. I know we have specific dates on our calendar that tells us when fall begins and things like that, but no, it's, it's when the weather actually, when you feel that first cold breeze after nothing but heat and humidity all summer long. The weather has changed. The time has come now for soups and stews and plenty of hot beverages and uh, pumpkin spice everything. And so HFF is no exception to that. We wanted to have a little fun with that. And so this week is Pumpkin Spice Hebraic Family Fellowship. Pumpkin Spice Cheerios, Pumpkin Spice Cream Cheese, Pumpkin Spice, everything. It's also a good time for, uh, it's one of my favorites, when uh, all the uh, really good dark beers start coming out that taste, uh, it's kind of my preference there. It's also the time of the season for the ugliest house decorations known to man. Look, I'll take Christmas decorations any day of the year over what I have to walk out of my house and stare at at my neighbor across the street. He has a giant inflatable spider in the middle of the lawn that I get to stare out right out my front door. Inflatable lawn decorations, by their definition, are tacky as can be. This is just absolutely pathetic. He probably got it on, uh, you know, got a deal for it or whatever. The legs are always gimpy and like folded up underneath it. It looks like an octopus swallowed a bowling ball more often than not. And it is just, you know, there are some things, some things in this world that just are not, like, why do they even exist? Why do, who created that? They just have no purpose. You know, other things are really good. Pumpkin spice tastes really good. And so, you know, I'd, I'll take the pumpkin spice for the time of the year, but certain things just need to, uh, need to just go away as far as I'm concerned. My message today is not about pumpkin spice, though that's what people thought when I was, when I made the thing about pumpkin spice. Uh, it's not about pumpkin spice. It is about this little phrase right down here where it says, for a limited time only. You see, what we do in our day-to-day life is that we take something that if it's only available for a limited time, or if there is a perception of it being rare or limited, we put a greater value on it than other things. When pumpkin, even though the pumpkin spice and all the Oktoberfest has been out for a couple of months, when it first comes out, we're like, ooh, got to get. And then when you find out when it's not going to be available anymore, then you're like, oh, well, I got to go get my last latte of the season before the pumpkin spice goes away. And so we put this limited time only tag on things, and it causes us to act and react to it. It's a tactic. It's a marketing tactic that, that the world uses I mean, how many times have you ever used a coupon on the day it expired because you remembered that you had the coupon and then you went, now, did you actually even need the thing that the coupon was for? Of course not. But you had to take advantage of the sale. 
You had to take advantage of the coupon because you had to, we go nuts for these things that are limited time only. If this was not a kosher keeping messianic facility, I'd be talking about the McRib right now. So, but since we're all kosher keeping, I'm not going to mention that one. Twinkies. Remember the story a couple of years ago when they said that Hostess was going to discontinue making Twinkies? That they weren't going to be around anymore? Everybody flooded the store and had to get their last box. Guess what? Twinkies are still on the shelves, by the way. Didn't discontinue Twinkies. But that story made us go nuts that those were going to be in limited supply and we had to go get your last box of Twinkies. Diamonds. Diamonds are a woman's best friend. Men like to buy diamonds. Diamonds are so common in this world. The value that we attach to diamonds, unfortunately, is completely skewed. There are way more precious materials that are in much more rare quantities in this world than diamonds, but because they, we, we assign this different value to things that are supposedly rare, supposedly in limited supply. You know, this same tactic actually has been influenced our young people in the last couple of years. You ever heard the phrase YOLO, you only live once? What that is, that's, a, that's like a it's like a cry for, for people to do something crazy or adventurous because you only live once. Life is in limited supply, so you better do this before, before life is over. It's this marketing tactic, that, and what it does is it actually completely skews our entire value system for various things. We tend to put the, a higher value on something that is rare or limited than something that is actually worthy of that value. That something that actually is precious, that something that actually is invaluable, the same mindset, this is just my opinion, the same thought process that we go to to assign value to something and get excited about something that, that gets us excited to go buy a pumpkin spice latte when October rolls around is the same, we use that same emotion when we're actually looking at something that truly has value and it really should capture our attention. Something that is precious, like life, like a beautiful brand new baby. Or even a, even, even a bird that has fallen out of its nest. The care that you go in to take care of that because you have a value for life. So you would go and you would take care of a bird that has fallen out of its nest. Sometimes you might have a personal possession. Now, again, I'm, I'm speaking in a lot of generalities here. You might have a personal possession that maybe belonged to your parent, and your parent's not around anymore. And so there is a value, there, there is a value that you have for something, sentimental value, that then you do, you care for that and you protect that. And other people who understand that, they'll, they will watch out for that thing as well. And that's, and that's perfectly okay. There are certain things that are worth putting effort and emphasis on but the, sometimes there's other things that's not so much, but because it's for a limited time only, we do. Here's what I actually want to say is this, is that, yes, that's a tactic. That's a tactic that things are sometimes in limited supply, and so you, if, you, you, if you want it, if it's good, yeah, you got to go and get it. You'll, there's also a phrase, all good things must come to an end. Where something that is wonderful, that, 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 that sometimes you have a, a value for something because it is in short and limited supply. And I think that only gets you so far in assigning proper value for something. Things that are in limited supply that is really good, it's always something that you wish you, you had more of it or, or could have 
more of it. I'm going to say something that's really interesting here. This is going to be a little, little quote for later. I'm going to make a sweeping generalization that's probably not 100% true. I'm sure you wish you had a nickel for every time you heard somebody say that. That's not something people say and, and preface a, a statement with. People make sweeping generalizations all the time, but I'm actually telling you this is, but I want to start there and then kind of maybe work your way back. Everything good in life that is limited has a goal to become limitless. Let me say that again. Everything good in life that is limited has a goal to become limitless. Now, some of you might be thinking in your head and be like, okay, I'm going to try to think of something that doesn't fit that category. Like I said, it's probably not 100% true. But if you think about it, everything that we see in life that's good, but maybe it's temporary, maybe it only lasts so long, wouldn't it be wonderful if it lasted forever? Don't you wish that it, that, that it, that it maintained itself? Food. Food is sometimes in limited supply. You run out of groceries in your, in your kitchen, but you need food. Food is good. Food nourishes you. Now, I'm not talking about an unlimited supply of food so that we can eat a lot of food and get fat and happy and become gluttons. No, I'm just talking about if you were able to completely eliminate the need for food, that food was always readily available, and if it was unlimited, you wouldn't, that would be a wonderful thing. But food is limited. There's people that go hungry. There's people that don't have enough. And those things are limited. It would be wonderful. It would be a goal. In fact, it's a goal of some people, some ministries, some pe to make hunger obsolete in the world and to make an unlimited supply of food for all that would need it. That would be a good and wonderful thing. Energy. Limited supply. But it'd be wonderful and there'd be a goal and people have set forth goals to make it unlimited. Clothing, if you never, if your clothing never wore out, that would be wonderful. If your house, if your house never broke down, if it was always in perfect condition and it's either it's limited because it breaks down over time, but if it was, if you never had to worry about that ever again, that would be great. We kind of learned this at Sukkot. At Sukkot, we all have a wonderful time camping in temporary dwellings. In a tent. The problem is, is after about eight days, the tent starts to sag and it's kind of falling apart. And it's like, you, it's like that thing's not going to last forever. And you got to go home at some point and you got to, and sometimes you got to buy a new chair because it, because the cup holder broke and you got to buy a new tent because the tent pole broke. And those things are, they, they don't last forever. And we learn this at Sukkot. So we go into this temporary dwelling and we, then we gain this whole new value and perspective on dwelling with the Lord, dwelling with our friends and family, worshiping the Lord in a place that has been set aside, but it's only for eight days. But that doesn't stop. But because of, like I said, that limited time only, we get really excited for Sukkot. It's once a year. We see all of our friends, all of our brethren. Limited time only, eight days for the Feast of Sukkot. Come on down. And everybody's really excited, and they're chomping at the bit to get to Sukkot. It's wonderful. And we have a great time at Sukkot. Then when you come back from Sukkot, what do you bring back with you? You can't bring back the physical tent and you can't do, you know what? I love Sukkot so much, I'm going to just start living in a tent my whole life. Actually, there's some people that sell all their possessions. They move into an RV. And some of them first got that idea at Sukkot. And they're like, and so then people live out in an RV. And they're actually happy as can be. They realize, you know, one of the things you realize at Sukkot is that all the things you don't need in life, and you can actually like, you know what, I don't need that, I don't need that, and you can come back with kind of a minimalist lifestyle and apply some of those principles from Sukkot, apply them in your real life, and it is a wonderful thing. I encourage that, in fact.
You enjoy the campfires out at Sukkot with the brethren? What's to stop you from having a campfire and a fire pit in your backyard and inviting brethren over and doing that on a regular basis throughout the year? You don't have to do it just, just at Sukkot. Take that thing that you learned and limited supply and then apply it to the whole rest of the year. And it's wonderful. Take that with you. It's the same thing as if you could get pumpkin spice lattes throughout the entire year. Now, the question, though, is, would we have the same value, would we have the same appreciation for it if we did that? See, there's a, there's a catch-22 in all of this, that in those things, when certain things are limited, it does cause us to get excited for it. If it's always ready and available, then what our human mind likes to do is like, ah. Eh, that's common. I don't need that. When the truth of fact is, is if it's good, it's good no matter what. Even in limited supply or forever. If it's good, it's wonderful. If pumpkin spice is your absolute favorite flavor, well then, buy it year-round and enjoy it year-round. Go for it. Nothing's really stopping you with anything you can buy on Amazon. You can get the syrup. You can make your own coffee that way. Same way with Sukkot. You come back from Sukkot. Fellowship with the brethren with all of your regular brethren, the same way you do at Sukkot. Invite them over, have a campfire, have a meal, share a meal together, worship, do all of those things. Bring that back with you. That's kind of the lesson I always want to share with people is when you come back from Sukkot, yeah, you can't bring, you can't physically be at Sukkot, but spiritually and mentally in your head, you can have those same feelings and those things can be replicated. The physical things are temporary. For us to be able to physically go at Sukkot, yeah, we got to leave after eight days. But spiritually, the thought process and that mindset can live on forever. It can continue on. And it's that spiritual mindset that's in our head that sometimes leads us and guides us to do physical things. So if you come back with the spiritual mindset of loving everything about Sukkot, well, then let that guide you physically. Now, we desire deep down inside of our hearts for the physical that is temporary to eventually become eternal. Like I said, every good thing in life that's limited has a goal to become limitless. So our personal mortal lives have a desire to be eternal. In the wilderness... They built a tabernacle and a tent, the dwelling place for God. That was temporary. It was a tent. It was mobile. They could travel in the wilderness. Knowing they were eventually moving toward the place that God was going to put his name according to the Torah and the instruction, which ended up being Jerusalem, to where then they could build the temple, and the temple was greater than the tabernacle. It was more sturdy. It was strong. It was permanent, sort of. Unfortunately, it was still made with physical things and was still temporary. Us who are believers know and we're looking forward to the dwelling of God in our hearts, in the kingdom, that it will be eternal beyond what even an amazing temple built by Solomon could produce. Everything good that is limited or finite, it's a goal to become limitless. Now let's talk about our mortal lives. Because we have our lives here and we know we're finite. We, have, we measure ourselves with a finite number of days that we're going to live. And we're on this earth for a limited time only. But we have a goal to figure out how is it that we receive eternal life. 
How do we get there? How do we live long, live beyond our years? That should be a goal for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me start at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Yeshua, and the life of Yeshua also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Yeshua's sake, and the life of Yeshua also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. So then is death working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe that there and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Yeshua will also raise us up with Yeshua and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread throughout the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of the Lord. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and ex eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Our physical lives are corruptible, they're perishing, they're falling apart, but we're looking for, we have to look inward at the inward person who we are and look at and desire for eternal life. The things we see, all physical, those are temporary. But we're looking for that eternal life. We have to die, not just physically. When it says, you know, take up your cross daily, and that something, and what it looks, and some people look at that and say, oh, well, I have to, I have to afflict myself, and when I'm being afflicted, and that's, you know what, I don't think the whole purpose of God and his creation is for us to be always be afflicted physically and in pain all the time. That's not the goal. But we, what we have to do is we have to die not just physically, but also spiritually and mentally, that we have to change our mindset sometimes. That we live this life just, you know, it's like, okay, I'm just living my temporary life, and when I die, you know, hopefully I did good enough so that then I'll receive eternal life. That's kind of what a lot of people kind of think. A lot of people are believers Almost not as much to pursue eternal life, but to avoid eternal damnation. We act because we're afraid of what's coming. It's all like, well, you don't want to go to hell. Okay, so I'm going to believe, and hopefully I don't go to hell. We're not supposed to believe something because we're trying to avoid something or because of the negative. We should believe something because of the positive, because of the true benefit that it provides. And let me tell you something, eternal life, that's something really good. Really good. One of the things that I think we fail to grasp as human beings, this is, this is a kind of a, this is a really sort of philosophical out there thought process that goes through my brain that makes me think, this is my opinion on truly why we don't necessarily understand God. Because in our mortal minds and brains, we cannot understand eternity and infinity. 
We can't understand the concept of existing outside of time, which is where God exists. God was here before creation. But as far as we're concerned, creation is the beginning. But God was there before. God exists outside of time. We can't, we cannot put God in a box because we can't figure out when he is. That's the one thing I believe that we cannot fathom or understand. We have to change our concept and our thought process of eternal life. Go with me on this. If we're thinking about eternal life, okay, well, then that means I'm going to live forever. And so let's say right now you might be 50 years old. Okay, so in 50 years, you're going to be 100 years old. And in 100 years, you'll be 150 years old. And in 1,000 years, it'll be 1,050 years. And you live one more year after that, and then you'll be 1,051 years old. And the next year, you're going to keep living. And so because you have eternal life, you're going to keep living for many more years. And you're going to keep counting up. That is using temporary mortal constructs to define unlimited measurements. We cannot use limited forms of measure to understand eternity and infinity. It just doesn't work. Because you might sit there and be like, all right, well, when I'm the age, from the age of 600 to 700, I want to be a farmer. And from the age of 800 to 900, I want to, I want to do this and travel the world. And it's like, and we're sitting there and we might figure out and be thinking in our mortal mindset, what am I going to do with eternal life? Let me propose to you that we have to have our, our, the way we think about things, that kind of needs to die for us to understand what it really means. I don't think we have the capacity to, to understand it. Because that's where God exists. And we simply cannot understand it because we use mortal, temporary limitations to try and define eternity. Eternity is all time. Eternity is forever. Eternal life is not something you're going to get after your mortal life has died. Hear me out on this. You're not going to just be living, here's my mortal life, and when I die, I hope I did enough good deeds to then be given eternal life. If it's eternal life, then that means it has a finite beginning. That's by definition not what eternal life is. Go with me to John chapter 3. We're going to go through here, and there's there's a series of statements that come from Yeshua here in the Gospel of John that I'm wondering if you can truly pick up on this. As we go, and there's several, several verses here that the way this works. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 3 at verse 36, he who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John 4 Verse 14, whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. John chapter 5 at verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. John six twenty-seven. do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life. That's more temporary things. It continues on. John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son believes in him may have everlasting life. 
And then in verse 47, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. This continues on even into the, uh, the epistles of John. If you go to the end, 1 John chapter 5, listen to these three verses, starting at verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a believer in the Son, in Yeshua of of Nazareth, the Son of God, you have, present tense, everlasting life. I don't know if you've realized this yet, but when you've believed in that and you've confessed your faith, your everlasting life has already begun. It's already begun. Everlasting life is not something you will receive after you die. It is a present possession Do you you live your life actually realizing that? That's where where I'm saying is that our whole mindset and concept of time that I'm going to live this long, this many days, and then down the road, then I'm going to get older and then I'm going to die. Then you're living like, okay, well, my life is coming to an end. Wait a minute. If you have received everlasting life by believing in the Father, why is that not on the forefront of our mindset that we already have eternal life? I, I don't know if, 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 if that's just getting, uh, that gets me excited when you come to that realization. To then not have to worry about some sort of limit to your life. And that's how we should live life with one another, with our brethren, in believing in God. The limit is no more. We already have everlasting life. The bar's been removed. All right, picture this. Pole vaulter. The whole goal of pole vaulting is you go and you jump over the bar, and it is a pass or it is a fail, and you go under the bar, you hit the bar, you fail, you go over the bar, you win. The bar has been removed. So a pole vaulter runs, he jumps, and he goes and he vaults. Did he pass or did he fail? there's There's no understanding, there's no answer to that. The bar has been removed, the limit has been removed, And then every time he goes and vaults, you can look at it and be like, well, that was perfect. Every time. Perfect. Did exactly what he was supposed to do. There was no limit to determine whether he failed in life or not. Imagine living life that way without the thought that you failed at something. Because that's a lot of reasons why a lot of us in life don't do something is because we're afraid of failure. We have to understand that removing the limit that is upon us, something that is good and wonderful, such as the life that we have been given and all the blessings that God has given to us, and he's given us his word, his covenant, his commandments. He's given us Yeshua the Messiah to believe in, and we can do that day in, day out, eternally from here into infinity, and not because you're counting up the years that you get to do it and then you're going to get tired of it. No, we have the eternal life now, today, here and now. 
How good is that? How good is that? That it's not, we are not limited in the time in which we get to believe in our God. We're not limited in our time that we get to spend with those that we're in covenant with. Seriously, if, you're, if you love your family, aren't you, shouldn't you be looking forward to the time in which it's like, you know what, I'm going to dwell in eternity with you and in, in covenant with you. You know, we made covenant in those that have gotten married and we said, you know, made our covenant vows and we did all this and then till death separates us. Why did we put a limit on that covenant? Not that we really, not that, okay, I'm not saying you guys messed up or something right here. But the next time that you might think to renew your vows, think about getting rid of that one that it's like, no, not until death separates us. Our covenant is an eternal covenant. That's how we should be living life. And that's also how our life and our relationship is with God. Because even though we've broken the covenant with our relationship with God, he remembers our covenant forever and ever. And we have that relationship with him for eternity. And every covenant relationship and us as believers, that should be what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. We are not limited by the constructs of this world. As believers in God, we believe and we believe that we have eternal life. That's what we should do moving forward. I have an interesting quote here for you. I heard this one time, and I guess I heard it from a movie, and so then I went to actually look it up. Turns out the quote was from Star Trek. Not even one of the popular Star Trek movies. It was actually just this obscure, uh, obscure quote right here. It's the end of the movie Star Trek Generations. The, the starship had uh, been destroyed. Spoiler alert. And, uh, and Captain Picard, who was always my favorite over Kirk, uh, he's talking to his uh, first officer, Riker, at the end, and they're going through the rest of the ship. And he, Picard, who was always so philosophical and wise, is saying something, you know, it's all like, you know, what, what we leave behind is not as important as it's how we live. It's actually a brilliant, it's, it's a beautiful quote. And he says, after all, we're only mortal. And then Riker, who is always the more brash dude, he just fires back at him and says, speak for yourself, sir. I plan to live forever. And I remember hearing that phrase, and when you hear that phrase for the first time, you think, all right, well, he's just, yeah, that's just brash, and that's just, you know, that's kind of a silly thing to say. Is it a silly thing to say? That it's all like, all right, well, what are you doing with your life to, to, to be a benefit to others, to brethren? You're a believer in God. You know, it's all like, you know, well, how long are you guys going to? that for? How long are you going to be a believer? How long are you going to keep going to that congregation? How long are you going to be fellowship with that, those people? How long are you going to believe? Is this, is this something that you're just going to, you know, change your mind later? No. Speak for yourself. I plan to believe forever. And then it's like, oh, well, you're going to die. You know, it's like, well, you got to make sure you're living this way and, 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 and doing this, these things. Well, yeah, I'm going to do what my God told me to do. I'm going to follow my biblical mandate to do right, righteousness and justice. And I'm going to feed the hungry and do good for those. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to do all of these things. And I plan to do it forever and for all eternity. Because as a believer in Yeshua, the Messiah, and believe in the Son, and believe that I have Him in my life, 
then I also believe the words in multiple times in my scripture that tells me that I have, present tense, eternal life. What a good thing that that is, that that should be something that you're reminded of constantly. Anything that is good in life that is limited, we have a goal to make it limitless. So if you love pumpkin spice, let's just get rid of that. There you go. Whenever you want it. If you are a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you have faith in him, and you believe in the covenant that you have with him, and you want to follow his commandments, follow his instructions, and you have the faith and the belief, this is not a limited thing. It's not something that you're waiting for your life to end, and then something will change. No, your eternal life is here and now. It is a present possession. What do you do with it? Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, again for the rain, for all your blessings, for all your provisions, Lord. And Father, though we might feel like we're constrained at times by the constructs of this physical world where everything is measured and everything is finite, Father, we look to you as our example as the one who is immeasurable. For you that is eternal, you exist outside of time, Lord. You were here before time began, as far as we know, and you will be here as far as we can tell when time ends. But we don't understand that, Father. We look forward to the day when we will have the truest and purest understanding of what it is to have eternal life. For now, Father, I pray that we would be encouraged and strengthened to know of the amazing gift, the amazing blessings that you have given to us already. That we have already received the gift. We have already received the blessings. Now, I pray that we learn to act like it. That we turn to give those blessings and share them with those that are in need. To share the word with them, Lord. And to give them the encouragement that when they believe as well, they too have received eternal life. And that it's not something that they're waiting for, Lord. It's not something that we don't know when it will happen. Father, it has already happened and you are alive and powerful today, here, and now. Let us remember that each and every day, Lord. Father, I thank you for all the blessings you've given to us. And Father, we know, Lord, you've, you work in mysterious ways. You've chosen us from among all peoples, Father. And we thank you for everything that you do, have done in our lives, for the life that you have given us, Lord. If we ever forget to thank you for the life that you have given us, Lord, Father, forgive us. For we love you, we trust you alone, and we look to you for all spiritual guidance, for all things, Lord. Let the trappings of this world, Father, no longer cause us to fear, cause us to hate, cause us to struggle, cause us to have anxiety. But Father, may we surpass the limits and the trappings of this world and look to you for our eternal life. So we love you, we bless you, and thank you on this Sabbath day. In Yeshua's name, amen. If we could all rise, please.
And the Lord spoke unto Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Yivorechecha Arunai Vayishmarecha Yaheh Adonai Panavilecha Vichunecha Yisadonai Panahavilecha Vayasim lecha Lecha Shalom Beshem Yeshua HaMashiach Sarcha Shalom Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.